so I'm 100% training with Herbie every day, um, every practice I'm with him. And it is really awesome. It's really, really cool to see this, like, really new school way of training because mm. I, like, grew up swimming with uh, Jack and Brian at Georgia, and they're very old school. Welcome to Social Kick. I'm Brian Lundquist. We got the full crew, Dr. John Mullen, Luke Paddington, and Olivia Smaliga. What's up, Olivia? Hey guys, not much. How's it going? It's pretty good. We got a couple, couple rapid fires to get today started for you. What uh, book are you currently reading or what show are you currently watching right now? Uh, I'm currently watching Mulligan on Netflix. Not reading any books at the moment. Um, what did I just finish watching too? No, Mulligan's good. I'm watching Mulligan right now. All right, would recommend. Uh, what snack do you always keep in your swim bag? Um, maybe an apple. Maybe an apple. Wait, what kind of apple? <laughs> Honeycrisp. Of course. What's the worst punishment you've ever seen a teammate receive for something that they shouldn't have done? No, I think it's pretty embarrassing to just be called out, like, get out of practice, like, and then just, like, the walk of shame back to the locker room. I think that's the worst. But then again, it's like, you don't have to do the rest of the set, so it's really not that bad. But I think that shameful walk is pretty bad. Whoa, sorry. Right. Has that ever happened to you? Um, No, I don't think so. Maybe, like, in my club days. In my club days, I was pretty, like, man, I would do some – stuff just to get out of sets like i would uh oh my like all during middle school i would just try to like peel my cat back during a flip turn just so i could like get out and like stuff my hair back in and my coach, like <laughs> he knew like i would ask to go to the bathroom so much um but no i've never gotten in trouble like the trouble was always like in the pool you know or uh, never gotten kicked out you know what were some of these sets that you wanted to get out of that were so bad <laughs> I mean, it's like middle school, you know, so I don't even know. It couldn't have possibly been that bad. But I think there's like these moments uh, when I was growing up, like some days I really like I really wanted to be there. And then some days I think I didn't. I don't even know. I just remember like those days they would come and um, yeah, like I, I don't remember the sets at all. I don't know. I, I got a question for you. It was on the YouTube of the little chat from mission we put up the first comment we got was something that was a really nice comment from somebody called taylor reed she says that she would always be my favorite olympian of all time her motivation and perseverance is unreal why do you think taylor said that you've had a, a long career now you know from 2012 um heartbreaker trials to some successes in worlds and stuff why do you think taylor wrote that about you that's so nice thank you taylor um I actually did see that comment. It was so nice because I watched the playback on YouTube too. And it really means a lot. It's, it's, it's super nice to hear. I mean, I think why someone would say that is just looking at my career. That's kind of how it's been. I mean, there have been so many highs and lows like going through them, but I feel like I've really stuck with it because I can see my own potential even through the difficulties and downfalls of my career. And I just choose to keep going because I want to, you know, mm -hmm. and um, I think if that serves as an inspiration to someone, that's awesome. Um, because, yeah, I just believe that sometimes we have more in the tank than we think. Um, 
even, especially after disappointment, it could be like just so shitty, you know? Yeah, I, 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 my impression, never having met you, is you always seemed very happy and, 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 and joyful um, on, on media, at least, and on your social, what have you. Um, and I, I wondered if that is, um, you know, is, are, are you always like that? You know, are, are you always just look for the positive side and drive through it and have belief in yourself and confidence? Because we all have down days and we all get messed up in the head too. You know, you know talk about that. Talk about that attitude. You're very, very um, positive and happy to, to be in the swimming community. I'm glad to see people like you smiling. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, short answer, no, definitely yeah. not. And I think I alluded to that a little bit after Mission Viejo. Like, I get upset after a bad swim. I'm bad. I, I can get frustrated. And I think that comes with, like, being able to be neutral in my emotions has only come with experience. Yeah. Like, I would be able to be like, oh, dude, it's no big deal. It's totally fine. Whereas maybe I was not really feeling a certain disappointment at the time. Like, I'll look back at some of my interviews when I was younger. And, like, it's amazing. Like, looking back at myself. 17, 18, 19. I mean, just growing in the sport has been such a joy to watch myself. Um, but definitely, I've been able to appreciate both sides of the spectrum of emotion that come with sport and find a neutral place. And I like staying in the neutral place more um, as of late, I think, because I think I'm accepting all that comes with the sport yeah. and not just being like, ah, oh, yeah, it's okay, you know, because some, some days I feel bad some days i'm sad but so does everybody you know like, i think yeah it's important yeah. that people know that it's important that we all have bad days and even though it should we have bad days and it's, it's important people know that and it's not what you see is all that you see it's you know yeah. no right. for sure, for sure. Yeah. so with a sport that can have so much pressure put on it because of the like infrequency of racing, you know, something's just so different than some other team sports where they compete so many times. There's tons of games throughout the season. You get a lot of chances to, you know, just like the sport lives in sort of the competitive realm where swimming is a sport that sort of lives in the practice realm. And like very rarely do you get a chance to showcase your effort um, and the fruits of your labor and training. And that can be frustrating and also put a lot of pressure on, on big meets and then you feel like, you know, your whole identity is wrapped up in, you know, that that one thing. And if it doesn't go the way that you want it to, well, then it's like, what am I doing with my life? You know, and so I think like as you age or you have longevity in your career. Yeah, of course, like having good performances is really important to keep your career going and keep you motivated. But at the same time, like you got to have a lot of other stuff. It's helpful to have other things and identity outside of the pool so that there's not as much pressure. So who's that? Who, who are you? What are you, who are you outside of the pool? <laughs> <laughs> this is a lifelong process. I'm continuing to get to know myself every day. I learn something new about myself. You know, yeah, who am I? I'm, I'm figuring that out every day. Um, but I certainly feel like I, I don't know. I, um, yeah, talking about like wrapping up your identity in a me. Like for me, last summer was especially challenging because missing the world scene that was like my first time missing a team you know since i had been making them and that was just crazy yeah, you really yeah. do think that because you devote your life to something that you love to do and then you don't see the fruits of your labor so it was tough but yeah i think constantly i'm just figuring out who i am i, I think it's a lifelong journey 
Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a pretty general answer. Well, what happens? What What do you do between uh, morning and afternoon practice? Or the days that you've got a day off? What are you doing? What am I doing? I'm chilling. I'm journaling, reading, going outside, talking to my friends, family, hanging with my boyfriend. When people ask you what you do for a living, because I'm, I'm trying not to do that. When I meet people, I'm just mm. trying to find out. I'm trying to find out, hey, you know, get to know Brian. Not So, Brian, what, what's your job? And, and, yeah. and get to know that. Mm. When people do ask you that, what do you tell them? You know, or, or, like, how do you introduce yourself? Like, like strangers, I have no idea who you are. Um, I just, I just say I'm Olivia. That's how I introduce myself. Well I want to ask me who I am or what I do. Yeah. I really like shied away from saying that I'm a professional athlete. I always thought like, mm -hmm. that was like, I didn't really want to say that. I was just like, I swim, you know, but recently I feel like I've been accepting the title of that because I don't know, I guess maybe as you get older and more confident in the things that you've been doing, that's kind of how I describe myself. But people like still, you know, are like, oh, professional swimmer. Oh, you know, the sport is big, but I don't know if it's that big that people like know what's up. Like, oh, you make money from swimming? No way. You know, it's like a question I always get. So my friends who are pro swimmers, they used to say, oh, yeah, I'm a manual laborer. I'm a gladiator. <laughs> it's like I'm a yeah. gun buyer. <laughs> Yeah, warrior. Yeah. So what's the most common question you get after you say, oh, I'm a pro swimmer, a pro athlete? Is there a uh, typical response or what type of rabbit holes does that go down? Swimming pees. Yeah. <laughs> it typically goes down, do you, oh, so you know Michael Phelps? Or <laughs> have you been to the Olympics? Those are the two main And then you have to like explain, and I don't know. I don't know if I really like explaining, but I just kind of leave it at that. Yeah. Don't get into the where do you where do you play or what what team are you playing yeah. for and things like that. And you're like, yeah. oh, all right, this is gonna uh, <laughs> where are we gonna go. That's like I remember my grandmother watching me swim for the first time, and before I swim, she goes, "What color helmet do you wear?" <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Wait, so to the to the casual listener, what? How does pro swimming work? Because I've had that before. I used to have it on my resume, and I had nowhere near the accolades that you have, but I still got paid to swim. And um, so, but like, it's very different than other sports. So, what? How does it work? Okay, uh, so after college, or maybe if you decide to go pro during college before college. Um, you typically, well, this just means that you start getting paid to swim. Um, you get paid in high school to swim from USA Swimming, but it's like half of the amount that you get paid when you go pro. And when you go pro, USA Swimming helps you out with your expenses, travel, all that to go to meets. And I guess just like maintain this like lifestyle. And then you have the opportunity of signing with a sponsor and just getting deals uh, for being the image of a professional swimmer. Um, and you get to just do dope things. You get to travel the world. You get to try to make teams. Um, it's a pretty awesome thing to have, you know, uh, to be a professional athlete is something I've always wanted to do. I always wanted to be like a professional basketball player because I always thought they were the coolest. Um, but like, I was, I'll settle for swimming. <laughs> so, like like you mentioned, you've had sponsors now for a little while. You you've been around kind of the the Wiley veteran. What 
advice do you give uh, other young swimmers that are like turning pro and looking for sponsors or even college swimmers with like, you know, um, NIL, obviously that's a little different, but probably some similar aspects as far as who to partner with or what to look for. Yeah, I, so I've been like really in my guru phase, I feel like, because I've been on any question and just answering these questions and giving it <laughs> just based on my experience. I'm like, oh, thank you so much for asking me like these things. But the advice that I tip, like I would give to maybe a college swimmer, someone who has an NIL is not to get caught up in wanting to be sponsored. You know, not to get caught up in wanting to just get deals. Yo, can I get a code for this? Sponsor me, you know, hashtag sponsor me, because I feel like you really lose sight of what you came to do. You came to swim. You came to have goals in swimming and truly all of that other, uh, all the other stuff will follow. I got caught up in that for sure. You know, it's just like, I wanted this deal and this deal and this deal and this deal. And I wanted to do all of these things, like especially first two years, uh, becoming pro and it's nice it's really cool because it's like you're uh, on a bigger platform you know people are aware more aware of who you are so you really feel like okay I got this name and maybe I have this image or something and I want to monetize off of, off of that um and then you get into the business side and we were ne we never signed up to be businessmen you know we signed up to be but you know your name is your business and, and stuff like that, you know, so I understand that, but yeah, I wouldn't get caught up in like wanting to get all these deals, like get caught up in wanting to get better and finding ways to get better. Cause all that will come. And the other side of pro swimming is there's a lot of, um, independence that you have to have with how you manage your career, you know, from, um, you know, from having an agent to, to dealing with your prize money, but from having a doctors and physios and traveling to meet and make your, make your entries to meet. So a lot of times you can't rely on your university anymore or your club. Sometimes I don't know if it's different for you now at, at ASU, but, um, talk to me about your support staff that you have as a pro swimmer. How much support do you get with your finances, with your taxes, with your, you know, you don't have a manager right? So to deal with it, is you're the manager. You deal with water. You deal with the whereabouts form, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Like the one, well, I will say that the support that USA Swimming provides their athletes is amazing. Like whenever we travel, I mean, we always have physio, massage therapists. We get travel reimbursements, you know, prize money at these meets. Um, USA Swimming gives us like monthly okay. um, support. Uh, but in terms of like having a manager, truly, because I started this in this sport so young and making money so young, my mom was like my manager, you know, so my mom really helped me with my finances, my taxes and all that. So I'm like super grateful to have um, my parents support. Um, Do you call her momager? Momager? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I call her like superwoman, honestly, but <laughs> it does work. Um but no, you know, it is an independent thing, you know, it definitely yeah. is, you know, you putting in the work and the artist, but it's even better if you have support. And yeah. I would say generally more often than not, we are super well taken care of at USA Swimming. In terms of like uh, entries and stuff, we have coaching staff who does that for us here at ASU. We had similar at, at Georgia. Like they really take care of us. So not a lot is on our plate. 
um, which is really nice. Yeah, I, I want to know the details around uh, what some of the like payments are from USA Swimming. So like obviously your sponsorship deals are your business, but um, I'm curious about like, uh, A, can you help explain what criteria it takes? Because like I know that um, to be on some of the USA stipend, you need to be at a certain world ranking and you have to maintain that in order to even qualify for the national team. But like, can you describe like what actually the monthly payments are from USA Swimming, how those are, and then also the prize money? Because I think at Mission it was... 1500 bucks for a win and like so that's the pro series meets but then you know i remember going to prize money meets in europe and italy and you know i think at the time and this was many years ago it was three thousand euros for a win at a race there so like you can stack up some winnings if you do these kinds of things um what is it on what is it on that side like how does how does that part of your your income and performance like based stuff work yeah so uh to qualify for uh, monthly payments from usa swimming you have to be on the national team you have to be top six in the u.s uh in your event mm -hmm. uh so to get that payment i'm pretty sure and you have to yeah i'm pretty sure that's it like to be on the national team top six in your event mm -hmm. um there are world ranking standards like that I think you get a certain amount if you're, I don't know. I don't know that part. I don't know that part, but I do know like the national team. That's what, that that's what qualifies you. And you mm -hmm. do in order to obtain the monthly payments, you have to do these like appearances for USA swimming. So mm -hmm. that's like an autograph signing or like an event or something where it's not uh, paid, then you get paid from USA swimming. Mm -hmm. Um, with doing these appearances and then yeah prize money prize money at tier pro is like 1500 for first a thousand for second 500 for third and then when you go into like worlds i mean it's it's a good amount of money it's um then when you go into like uh the olympics it's like you get paid from uh fina and then you get paid from this thing called operation gold where operation gold matches that money from, mm -hmm. from you so you really do make bank at, at these meets Awesome. what's the what's the payment for a world record now individual um i think it's something like i think it's like either 25 or 50k okay yeah whoops is it my toughest long course a short course is it the same um i'm actually not sure because you know it, it, it it's always the little brother is the short course wheels right it seems like you know it's world title. Uh, yeah. yeah yeah i'm I actually mean, you know, go ahead luke no, you know, I, I was gonna ask about what you, what's, what, where you are now. Um, I would say mentally in your space leading up to trials, especially given this is a trials for worlds and what happened last time you went to trials for worlds. Where we are now, wh wh where's your head at? How are you feeling? Yes. Yeah, so, so after mission, I mean, how I spoke uh, with Brian yeah. at mission, I was pretty like, you know, hoping for a little bit more, and it wasn't there. But it's like that a spot where you're about to start tapering so we're about to start that i mean we're four weeks out before we go to worlds and i mean i'd be lying if i said i wasn't nervous you know excited um thinking about you know what happened last year and just being aware of that and then just being able to take in the moment and just staying in the present moment of what it is with this season 
just a lot of like constant reminders to myself of what I've done this season, the work I've put in, um, being in a totally different training stimulus and then bring into it. Like, so I'm, although I'm nervous, I'm confident and excited and just have to, I just keep reminding myself of the work I've done. Does the success that ASU had, men had at least at NCs, give you confidence for how the program has been shaping up and growing for you? Yes, definitely. Definitely, yeah. When I saw those guys pop off at PACs and NCs, I'm like, this is sick because I'm in this group with those guys mm-hmm. uh, in Herbie's group. Um, so it gets me excited, yeah. I was like, when do I get to taper? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I know, for real. Yeah. yeah, it's been great to see, you know, Herbie – getting his name mentioned and, and having a lot of success with, like you said, the men's team, but also the pro group. I remember when he used to message me on swimming, one of my, my websites, swimming science. And he was always, just, you know, trying to get the kind of the cutting edge of what sports scientists are doing and what maybe to advance with training. So could you tell us more? Are you hundred percent training with Herbie and maybe what does a, a week look like for you? Yeah. So I'm hundred percent training with Herbie every day. Um, every practice I'm with him and it is really awesome. It's really really cool to see this like really new school way of training because Mm. I like grew up swimming with uh, Jack and Brian at Georgia and they're very old school um, which was awesome too you know but then coming in here and Herbie's so data driven and um, just is always finding new ways to get better and improve and it's really cool uh, because it's like something new every day. Um, but what a week looks like now, since we've transitioned to long course mornings, I'd say Monday morning is more of a, like, uh, like, I don't, it literally varies. I can't even tell you because it changes up so often that it's like, there's no distinct pattern, but we do typically tend to suit up on Thursdays and Saturdays. And the other days of the week are some sort of prep work, pace work, speed work, or recovery day. You know, there's like a whole um, mixture of practices. How much backstroke do you train to your freestyle? About even. There was a there was a brief moment though where I was predominantly doing freestyle, like on our main sets, and my backstroke felt it. You know, so and I think that was. Uh, I want to say that was before, maybe for Lauderdale or Westmont, but we would be doing like 200 pace sets, just freestyle, 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 freestyle. And I definitely like voice to want to do some more backstroke. It's pretty even now. Yeah, since we just had Hunter Armstrong on and he says he seldom trains backstroke. It's it's 95% freestyle. This is the really? 50 record holder for the audience who's not who's listening. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting. You you mentioned in your talk of Brian admission that uh, you do the tech you do do a lot of quality work. Um, is that including your technique? Like, do you do technique at speed and at quality? Yeah, yeah. It's Experience. never like it's never separate. You know, um, so often I actually was asked this question on any question like how do I improve or how do I involve technique with uh, printing <laughs> and what I said was that uh they're they're not separate like uh herbie will always have like it'll be like a uh how do i say like prep into the main set so it'll be like 
the preset into the main set will be like setting up your stroke. And then when we set up our stroke, like Kirby in all caps, we're at perfect technique on all the fast things that we do. So it's like really like all the time you're just focusing on um, having your perfect technique being as yeah. hydrodynamic in yeah. the water. And yeah, I mean, I'm constantly like finding ways to improve. Like if I have like a hiccup or when I was at Mission Viejo, I had a lot of bounce in my freestyle because sometimes when you press down versus just pulling immediately or if your head is too high up you can put it down like abby is such a cool example of that like i was swimming right next to her in the 100 free and she's just like this like torpedo her head is down but mine is kind of up and it caused me to bounce so i was talking to one of like the stroke analysts at usa swimming and it's like it feels like you're pulling a lot of water because you feel like you know you're grabbing but you really are might just be going up and down like this rather than just like a straight line so. Yeah, doing technical work and working on technique at speed is definitely something that, you know, we know on the sports science side because we know movement patterns typically don't transfer unless it's done at a certain velocity. But yeah. I think where people have such a struggle with it, it's like, well, how do you focus on anything because you're trying to go so fast? So yeah. do you have anything that you like try to focus on? Is it just like one technical element? Is it a word? Is it a stroke count? Is it just having Herbie give you feedback afterwards? Yeah, you know, I think, like, in a race, you just typically don't think about these things. Like, unless it's, like, a certain amount. I think the only thing I think about is, like, a certain amount of kicks off the wall uh, that I can count. And, you know, it doesn't take away from just being in the race itself. So, I guess I just uh, would talk to Herbie about the feedback, like, after a race. But even when we do our suit-up days, it'll be that setup work or we'll do meet warm-up. And at that point, it's just like you race. So whatever you have been practicing that week, you, you know, you just race and you see where you're at and see uh, if you can improve from that. You, but when you, you, were, you said you're like working on things at practice, like yeah. um, maybe tell us what you're thinking about or how, how that goes about. Because, yeah, like you oh. said, at a meet and suit up stuff. I'm, yeah, you're less thoughts, the better for a lot oh. of people. Got you. What we're thinking about at practice. I mean, yeah, like I said, the like my head position uh, focusing on where sometimes I will like um, enter the water like this on freestyle rather than just like staying ahead. Something that I will tell myself would just be like head down, quick breath, um, just pull up, uh, push back, rotate rather than just being a lot really army, especially in backstroke, just like rotating. Um, but it has been really interesting, like for me, because these are all kind of new things, all new, like. Um, key words and drills that I haven't ever really done or worked on like this. Are you, are you stronger? A, a lot of this work requires you to be stronger and, or it gets you stronger, but also in a different way. Like you have strength in different places that you didn't have before. Have you noticed that? And are you guys working on a lot of different movements that you haven't had in, in, in the gym? Yeah. In the gym, I mean, in the gym, I've actually dialed back on like, um, I think squats is probably the main thing I've really dialed back on. Actually, I've been uh, focusing a lot more on upper body. I can actually notice my arms like look uh, bigger. I feel stronger. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say you look you look pretty toned. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. But uh, yeah. <laughs> nice bra. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like the like you still keep like. Uh, whatever your foundation lifts are. So like mm -hmm. 
uh, clean or a jerk, pull-ups, weighted mm -hmm. pull-ups. Um, these are like the main things that we focus on. A lot of core and mobility work because we do so much, like the way I see it in the pool, we do so much strength and power and actually right. resistance training. So we'll do like racks that are like, you know, the 10 pound plates um, that you just go for like six seconds for. So we'll mm -hmm. do that. And I feel like that obviously like builds strength. And so in the weight room, it's kind of complementary to that. Whereas maybe before it was more like, aerobic so i was really building strength in the weight room where i, I feel like i'm building strength in both uh the pool and uh the gym hey pull-ups are one of the hardest things for a tall uh woman to be able to do That's especially what i'm saying bro say it loud. <laughs> i'm so mad when people are like oh you're using your height as an excuse i'm like really check my wingspan <laughs> how many how many pull-ups can you do unbench okay i just maxed out 13 whoa thanks nice. thank you know, it's huge. like i'm telling y'all like when i came to college i couldn't do a pull-up i couldn't i really like could not do a full push-up so i've gained a lot of strength and it sucks because you want to like compare to people but you can't but for me it's though yeah that's, that's very legit. Well, speaking of like differences in body types too, I, and I don't think you guys even train together that much. Um, but like, what's something that you could learn or that you have learned from Reagan Smith being around? Yeah. Uh, Reagan's been awesome to have around, but I don't really train with her much. Yeah. Uh, we're her buddies, but that's about it. Um, so it's not much, too much learning in the pool that I can get from her. But in the weight room, I mean, her work ethic is, like, top tier. Like, she will be in the weight room for, like, an hour and a half. Like, she'll be the last one in there just working, no matter how she feels. And this is, like, really cool to see because this is what it takes, you know. Um, so, yeah, she's just awesome. Like, no, like, she'll come in from practice and she's, like, with Bob. So, <laughs> getting, like, just crushed at practice and she'll come in and you can see it on her face but she will be like she's she's hilarious like if you really get to talk to her like she's so funny so she'll come in and she'll be like and then immediately start laughing you know just, <laughs> Bob's practices can be so ridiculous like and she just takes them and she literally eats them up and uh that's been really cool to see what's a what's a bob practice that you've heard that group do that um you were like oh my god i'm so glad i wasn't in that group today Bruh, so i want to say it was like the friday afternoon so friday afternoon which sucks like sometimes bob when i was in the group last year he would let uh, not often so i don't, don't want to I don't want to even say this, but you know, Friday afternoon, you kind of are like not expecting the, one of the hardest sets of the week. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Cause usually so, Saturday is going to be hard. Right. So like yeah. Friday afternoon is not always hard. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so <laughs> I think they did a nine K and I think in the morning they had done seven K, but they had done like a nine K like, <laughs> like, I am ladder, like freestyle ladder. And I think like there was no easy warm up. Like warm up was on an interval. So it was like a 400 free on 440 into a 500 uh, I am free I am on like 
whatever and pick an insane interval like i'm not in that group so i really don't know but it's just like a bunch of 110 intervals and they just do a bunch of im ladders and it's just insane like it's insane <laughs> what have, they you, do. have you ever had adjustments like that i remember before my first christmas training in college i was scared because yeah. um I knew that there was going to be just an onslaught of relentless sets coming at me. And uh, I ended up making it through. And one of the things that got me through was just uh, like swimming outside and being able to like kind of look at the sun rising going, okay, I'm still going to be alive at the end of this two hour period, even if the set sounds impossible. Right. Um, Have there been any moments for you in your swimming career, uh, whether at Georgia or, you know, recently where you've been given a set that just sounds ridiculous and all you want to do is cry but you make it out on the other end and everything's okay yeah like yes i mean so often does that happen and i think it has to happen because like if you're not pushing that you know limit or whatever at least i don't know ever so often like you yeah i feel like you got to but there's so many times i mean when i was in bob's group last year yeah, I definitely, there was like, there was one set and it was like four times through uh, <laughs> a 500 free, a 300 IM, um, and then a couple like, I want to say it was like, maybe like three ones, descent to red or something, and then a couple 50s, like four times through. And I remember like Bob giving me this set and it, at that point I was like, bro, I have never done something like this in my life. Like I thought, I think he thought I trained like that at Georgia, but I actually didn't. And I remember like going to Bob and just under my breath being like, I've never trained. Like I've never, I never did this in Georgia, you know? And he was like, you haven't? Oh, okay. So go like three on the IM and, and, you know, do a 450 on the 500. And I was like, thank you so much like that was one of the craziest sets but i mean i feel like i hold my own for a good bit like i can hold my own for like two rounds of the set like, i can do pretty well but then the third and fourth round, oh my gosh like so and i remember like one set at georgia where i really wanted to cry uh i think i probably did and it was like like six ones best average into like 675 best average into 650s best average and you're like what the why uh, but then you do it and it's like turns out that it's not as bad as you thought it was going to be and i think like yeah sometimes you just have to go through that i'm just imagining you having this conversation with bob like hey bob these arms do 13 pull-ups bro <laughs> I, know. I would never say that to bob first of all <laughs> those words in my mouth that's saying bro to bob come on <laughs> <laughs> Like there was one day that they were doing like in the fall, I was still with Bob a little bit uh, in like, you know, pre like training. And on Tuesdays, uh, it'd be long course and it'd be 200 pace work. But this particular day it was IM work. So he sent me to Herbie because I'm not you know about to do IM. And he's like, you're with Herbie today. Like kind of just looking at the sheets, like really serious. I'm like, let's go. And I dab him up like that. And I'm like, I'm walking away. I'm like, did I just dab up Bob Bowman? Oh my God. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think Bob and I are tight. I think. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, Tom. luckily you're, you're out of Bob's stratosphere. It sounds like in the training. So with the sprint group, um, 
I'm curious, really, the the maybe group dynamics. Because a, a lot of what we hear about, and obviously ASU is now getting a, a powerhouse of a pro group, but we still hear a lot about kind of the, the IM and the middle distance group. Could you tell us a little bit more about kind of who you're training with? Maybe give us some more background about, you know, who's leading, who's um, getting in first for practice, those types of uh, silly things? Yeah, for sure. So I'm in a group right now. I'm in spring group. I'm with Kirby. Uh, the pros in there are Ryan Held, Xander Skinner, Simone, and myself, and now Grant House, who's become mm-hmm. pro. Um, and I thought he had another year of college. And even the, all the college kids are so awesome. Like, the, the spirit is just so great. Like, if I'm having not the best practice or whatever, I – the support that I have in that group and that all of us give to each other, I think is just awesome. Like, um, so, uh, what's it like? I mean, who's first in the pool? Simone, I think is first in the pool. Um, but we do this thing. I don't know if you guys saw like when we do like the flag touch, you know, so that's like typically how sprint group gets in. And, um, a day, a day is just like, we, I mean, I think it's just like any other practice. Like we just literally like on quality days, we're like zoned in on recovery days where we have music playing and it's amazing and we're swimming outside and it's dope, but there's a huge mix, but everyone there is trying to get better and has gotten better, you know, um, through training with Herbie. So it's like really cool to see and be a part of for sure. So what's Herbie giving you to get better at the flag jump? Huh? What's Herbie giving you for training to get better at the flag jump? Or it's just the, the daily the daily practice, the daily ritual. Yeah, daily ritual, daily ritual. Like, I did it. So I did it for the first time in the whole season, and I was so lit. And then, like, two days later, my hip, like, my hip really started to bother. So I'm like, okay, I can't do this again. And, yeah. Um, I did it once. Yeah, mic drop, and I'm out. I was always scared to miss, like run, and you don't catch the edge of the pool and you slip. Like, you know, when we do runners and, and you yes, run up yes. and run. I was afraid to slip off the edge. I never really went all out, to be quite honest, many years later. <laughs> you know, because I was, well, I was like, I'm going to plant my leg. <laughs> no, I know. I'm I'm with you. I'm also very fearful of slipping. Like, we'll do running dives when the deck is wet because yeah. we'll be like getting out, coming in, getting out, coming in. And I'm like gingerly just like running. <laughs> Um, but there's this one, one guy, Cody Bybee, who graduated now, also known as Cheddar, and he was, like, incredible. Like, he could run full speed on a wet deck and time it perfectly uh, and just... Um, he has no teeth. That's why they call him Cheddar, but no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, but with the flag jump, we that's why we do it first thing in practice, because the deck is dry. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you know what's the secret? Huh? The secret, the secret for an indoor pool, like outdoor pool, you've got the concrete and um, yeah, I don't know. The ASU pool, ASU pool has the gutter all the way around, right? Um, yeah. Like there's not like an infinity pool, right? Where it's like like Georgia is, where um the actually I think the diving well maybe is like that. I can't remember, but some of the pools, right? The water flows just right onto the deck, and the gutter is kind of integrated into the deck, is what I mean. Those, yeah. those pools, especially when they're indoors, like, you know, you get super wet, why there's slippery tile inside a pool, like, I don't really get it, you know, I mean, it's just asking for disaster. But uh, what we always did was take a bunch of rugs, 
and line up the rugs all the way up to the water. And no matter how wet it got, you had plenty of traction to just go full speed and launch. That's what we did at Georgia. Yeah. Because and we did it into the diving well, which was like a flat gutter. Like how you Yeah. But it was our idea. It was our idea. So I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just imagining someone like pulling out dentures before they do this. They're like, oh yeah, I can do that. Then you got your boy Chetta pulling out his dentures. And he's like, all right, step back. It's like a old hockey player that didn't play with a helmet. It's just like, yeah. Literally, been around. We are swimmers. We are not good at dry land. Every time I'm terrible at basketball or soccer, I use that excuse. So please validate it, right? We're terrible in dry land, right? <laughs> I hear you. I see you. I hear yeah, okay, you. Okay. <laughs> not taking that. 13 pull-ups. You heard her. She's not terrible <laughs> at dry land, Lou. Come on now. Yeah, I'm not that bad. I was actually like, I think I'm pretty good at volleyball. Like I played in middle school. And so I said I wanted to be a basketball player, but if I could do beach volleyball like in another life, I think I would do that too. So I'm not too bad, I don't think, like outside of the sport. So well, that's just both, no. <laughs> It helps in both of sports to be six foot two. Is that your right yeah. height? Six two? Okay. Yeah. Like again, Hunter says he's actually six eight. He's listed six six. Um, but I do I read some stat that I think you're the second tallest Olympic gold medalist of all time. Who's the first? <laughs> Claudia Paul, the Costa Rican 200 freestyler. Oh, in, in the sport of swimming. In, in the sport in of swimming. swimming. In sport yeah. of swimming. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I want to talk about, has that always been a crux or something that you enjoyed as an advantage? You know, you still have blocks next to Maggie McNeil, for instance, right? You know, is that you like, uh, I enjoy that or was it a crux because you're just like coordination and when you're younger and the technique and dialing in your recovery is a little bit harder. Explain how yeah. height played in your swimming life. Yeah. Yeah. And no shade to Maggie McNeil. I mean, I know y'all see her underwater. So if I was next to Maggie McNeil, I'm going to get everything, not relying on my height there. But I have always loved being tall. You know, I mean, in like middle school, I was taller than all the guys. So that was kind of definitely a bit tough, like at first. But then all the guys caught up to me. It was like fine, just in terms of like a social aspect. Uh, But still, I'm a tall, you know, woman. And so... I, I'm used to that. Um, I don't think it was a crux necessarily. Like I find it harder to like tempo up and put on strength as a taller person. Yeah, um, but I do want to use my length and my flexibility as my strength, seeing that that's what I'm naturally given as like my you know gifts or whatever. But um, yeah, I would say like my turns. I don't know. I don't want to use these as an excuse. Like my turns, like bringing my legs over maybe took a little bit, maybe a little, a little bit longer because my legs are really long. But I've always loved being tall. I especially love when younger girls who are tall come up to me too and say that they like enjoy my height because I think it can be like a really awkward thing, like especially for a girl, like being super tall and wanting to you know, be confident when they feel like an outlier, you know? Mm-hmm. Totally. So I definitely enjoy being tall. I think like, I even wear heels still. Good, so, awesome. Own it. Yeah, so I, yeah, I would just encourage like anyone, but then again, at the same time, it's like, yes, I'm tall um, and this is like my body, but you see some of the best swimmers in the world are, also shorter there's no one body yeah. type of swimming that's it more advantageous than the other i don't think no i i i completely happy to hear you owning your body image absolutely it's it's so important and I, my question is more and i'm going to direct it to john 
about just having longer levers and needing and how is that prone to different injuries you know and different strength needing and modifications and it's a technique difference you know it's it's much harder to do straight arm freestyle with much freaking long arms and levers and maybe that's why you bonks until you got your strength in you know you know i see it so john talk about that with longer levers i guess and and you know sing long axis strokes yeah. yeah, I don't think there's a ton to it. I mean, other than longer lever requires more stability and strength to be able to do it right. properly, right? I think people don't realize, especially a straight arm recovery and catch, how much stability you need at the shoulder, not only to do it well, but to do it safely over millions and millions of strokes at that that velocity, right? So it's going to put you at a higher risk for probably shoulder impingement and different ailments there. Um, I don't know. what What are your thoughts as far as Olivia, just about, you know, your strength developing over the years and maybe how that has impacted your biomechanics of free. Yeah, you know, I definitely agree that with longer with longer limbs, like it is a bit of a challenge. I was saying that it's like a little bit harder sometimes to tempo up. And I do have to mm-hmm. find that spot of like, am I just spinning because my arms are so long or can I really maximize my strength with a slower tempo while also being a sprinter? So this is like something I'm trying to find like a sweet spot in, especially after developing so much more strength training with Herbie, mm-hmm. like strength. Um, but luckily, I mean, luckily, knock on wood, like no shoulder injuries. Like I've been very um, proactive with physical therapy and stuff. Um, I would say like my low back, some my trunk movements, you know, like this connecting like my legs to my arms with such a long torso, yeah. this is sometimes a challenge. I was like describing earlier that sometimes my backstroke feels really army, like I'm just like left, right, you know, as opposed to like really uh, connecting from my core. Um, but, you know, you eventually find that sweet spot. I typically find it, um, you know, once I'm more rested and then it's like nice. I mean, that's what I was kind of alluding to when I was talking to Brian about feel, you know, like I just like, you know what it feels like when you're uh, swimming like properly, like, you know what I mean? When you're swimming correctly. So it's not like, Oh, I feel really bad. So I'm not going to try or I feel really good. So now I'm going to really pop off. Not necessarily like that based on your feelings during that day, but just the feel of your stroke. Um, Cause you know, when you are your fastest, even if you feel bad, like, even if you're like tired or whatever, like you still know your stroke. And I guess I'm figuring that out more and more as the season goes on training the different way. Um, so yeah. There was something, it reminded me of a conversation we had with Gretchen Walsh recently. Cause she talked about how she was um, adapting in a, a straight arm freestyle that she does in short course yards to be able to, um, maintain it for a long course hunter free and so she was testing out like instead of doing a fully straight arm to do a bit of a bent arm freestyle just to make it last for the full 100 meters so um and she's of a similar height to you i don't know who's taller but she's she's tall as well so yeah she's tall and what like i remember herbie saying that she was like six strokes per 25 in the 50 like at nc's like something crazy so it's like you want to use your length because if she were to like spin a little bit faster have a little higher tempo and do eight strokes would it have been as fast you know right so that's really cool to see yeah like just using your strengths to your advantage absolutely is key i think with tempo it makes me always think about dolphin kicks and we were talking with hunter armstrong about you know his dolphin kick tempo and his height you know gretchen walsh another great 
taller someone like we're talking about and, and she has great underwater kicks how do you feel like your height plays to your strengths or maybe disadvantage um for your dolphin kicks i'm so i'm super lucky like i grew up in my club team like um prioritizing underwater kicks hmm. prioritizing core strength Good. like i was so lucky shout out steve Ida from gtac my uh, oldest coach and like I really, I really credit my underwaters to him. And so I feel like I, I've always had this foundation that's been worked on, tweaked, especially with Herbie, like um, with the tempos of my kicks, um, the strength, how much body I'm actually using. Cause I always understood that like, you kind of go like diaphragm down, you know, but Herbie encourages me to go maybe chest down and see like if more movement in the body is better for underwaters. And I think honestly, typically when I when I go into race, I'm just doing underwaters how I how I always have. But I think I've definitely gained strength because on the racks, we'll do underwaters too. So we'll put up like I don't know. I think maybe I've gone up to like six, four, six plate, four or five plates on underwaters. So I know I'm definitely building strength there as mm. opposed to like parachute, you know. So I don't know if that answers your question, but. No, I def so I definitely think it's a strength. Based on my height, I don't really notice it much. My underwater mm -hmm. has always been like a strong suit for me. Do you feel like people know you as the girl in the white suit? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, yeah, like I'm, it was just cool, which is super dope because the white suit is really sick. Like I think I look fly, but um, I, you know, I wear all kinds of you know black and white sometimes. So. Yeah, is it going to be different this year? I think the one you were racing in in Mission was black, right? It was, yeah, yeah. Um, sometimes I like the black a little better. It has like it feels a little more flexible, but the white is always just like I feel like a power move. So I love that. Like Finis allowed me to coin that as as my own, and um, I had a lot of fun with it when it first came out. Like I think in 2018, um, that was really dope to see like people you know, making memes with like Frozone and stuff. And, <laughs> you know, it was pretty sick. So. That is pretty sick. I, you don't see that too often in something. I feel like finally we're starting to see some more colors coming out and all that, but it's just like, you know, yeah. and uh, black, hey, black looks good. You know, we're both wearing black. What's up? Yeah, but, so you know, <laughs> it's clean. <laughs> But, you know, you don't, I don't think swimming needs to be NASCAR, but it, it's, it's yeah. nice to see like some variety in the field too, um, from time it's, to time. Yeah. It's like, it, it would be definitely cool to see, like, I was always on this with Leah Smith, like one of my besties growing up, uh, on the team, on the national team. And we would joke around about how when we would travel to worlds or wherever that we wanted to be like basketball players, like hopping off the jet or in the tunnel with like a fly fit on in our briefcase, you know, like hopping up to meets. I feel like swimming is missing that like little bit of swag, but it's coming. Like, I feel like everyone has their own sense of style, obviously. Um, but it'd be cool to have like a moment like that uh, for swimming. So, so you mentioned your white suit and kind of how it makes you feel and, and, and all that. How about just when you like, put on that a text suit. maybe it can even be for practice what type of feeling do you get like at practice when you're you know feel, feeling like garbage because you're training so hard and all that but then you're gonna suit up in practice what does it feel like when you get back in the water with the suit on feels amazing 
Oh my gosh. I love suiting up at practice. I love how it makes me feel. I love the newest suit too from Fanice. Like, because it's just so like comfortable, but it also like compresses me so well. And I feel like, I don't know. I feel like a totally different swimmer with the, with the fast skin on. I gotta be honest there. Um, so I love, I love putting on the fast skin. Is it, is it a pain to put on? Are you like exhausted and you can't train afterwards? No, it's not. This hydro. <laughs> you don't need Brian. No, we're not Brian. A teammate. Like Brian has a famous story of, of being putting on suits for his Auburn teammates at NCs, you know, and there was blood, certain tears putting on these suits. Oh, if you did you have practice. You had the full body, right? Yeah, yeah. So I remember, well, I was working with Auburn when I was still swimming uh, post college. And, um, the when we first got the jacket suits uh the 09 ncaa is like we only had nine suits to go around for all the like 16 17 18 guys that were on the team so like i was in the locker room at texas a&m the whole time like drying suits handing them to the next guy and like i had all the bloody knuckles because those suits were so hard to put on and i was like constantly helping guys put them on and take them off but um and then also afterwards uh when we switched to a new suit sponsor years later um, it, it's just like different with, you know, the, the construction of the suits, especially like the, the men's suits, the jammers, they're pretty thick all the way, but for, for women's suits, you know, you often have like compression in the right places, but then you may just have like, you know, modesty panels, etc. up top, but there can be really thin in some places. So like really easy to put a finger through and, you know, rip the suit, but it's so nice if you have suits that are really high performance, really durable, but also, you know, not subject to damage um collateral damage you know yeah no it's awesome yeah the suit takes me about like really five minutes to get on and i've had suits in the past where like yeah bloody knuckles like here you know and it takes i think the longest ever it took me to put a suit on was 13 minutes but this suit takes me like five minutes it's so easy to put on and i can even put the straps on myself which is something i really like because it's usually a test crew I love that you said 13 minutes. Like, you know, <laughs> you have to be on deck. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. well, I would time it to um, schedule out my warm up at a mm -hmm. big meet. Yeah. Like, I would time it so that I could be in the locker room, get back in for a second warm up, get in the ready room, and stuff like that. I know, I didn't. I never thought you were really that big time until you had a suit person to put on suits for you. When I was with uh, Soon Young in 2017, this was even with the super suits. <laughs> he, he had a suit guy. I was just happy it wasn't me that I was never called for that. I was just uh, one of the four people doing soft tissue on them while people no. try to feed me um, during those sessions. That was a odd experience, but nonetheless, <laughs> was never called for the suit for the suit guy. Luckily, Sun Young had a suit person. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, thankfully they didn't call you for drug testing either. <laughs> thankfully, I, I had my ham. No. Okay. <laughs> All right, we got a few rapid fire questions before you let you go, Olivia. What's the hardest race in swimming? Um, 200 back. No, in the hands. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Sorry, I thought you meant that I've swum. Wait, were you guys? Were you guys the ones who like talked to what was uh, uh, Gary Hall, right? Uh, yeah. That he, were you guys the ones who talked to him? Oh, yeah. 50 free. 50 free. If, 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 you could, if you could swim the 50, you could swim the 50. Not everyone can swim the 50. It's the hardest event. Pound for pound. 
I literally like audibly laughed out loud when I saw those clips <laughs> put together when someone said like Ryan and then 53 but hey I respect it like I totally respect you personally <laughs> um but the hardest event I, it's the 4am probably all right, fair enough. Yeah. And by the way, for the record, pound for pound, I always, as a sprinter, uh, believe that that's the hardest race in swimming. But yeah. I respect your opinion. Uh, you think, what do you think is the hardest event in swimming? The 53. Yeah, I agree. You, you believe that? Like, Wait, you it's tough or hard. Tough or hard. Yes, yeah, so there's many layers to the question. Yeah, are you as tired at the end of it? No, like 4 a.m. is tough, but it's really hard to be really elite at the 53 because you can't make any mistakes. Have you been elite in the 4 a.m.? Uh, no, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. <laughs> Next question. Okay, so, I'm sorry. It's good. <laughs> Bring it back on us. We've asked this question 200 I'm times. I... <laughs> <clears throat> uh, <Okay>. All right. <laughs> oh, I love it. All right. Olympic gold or world record? Olympic gold. Do you pee in the pool? Um, yeah, I do. Except when you need to get out of practice as an age grouper or high schooler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, what's, uh, what do you do for meat warm-up? Um, like, you want to know what exactly what my meat warm-up is in the pool? And or does it take longer than your longest ever suit putting on at 13 minutes? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty long. I would say I'm in the pool for like 30 minutes. I like to do a dry warm up for about 10 before like listening to music, getting in the mm -hmm. zone, um, swimming for about 30. And then I'll put my suit on and sometimes I'll get in for a second warm up. What music gets you in the zone? Uh, any kind of rap, any kind of hip hop. I mean, I grew up like listening to Lil Wayne and Eminem, so I try to toss those guys back in there. Jay Z, I'll listen to recently. Recently, um, I don't know. Yeah, definitely rap for me. What's one race in your career you'd rather forget? I'd rather forget. Uh huh. Oh man, I wouldn't want to forget any race because mm. I from every race that I do. Um, and it's particularly the ones that I would want to forget that I learned the most from. What's the best moment you've ever had on a pool deck? On a pool deck? Oh, yeah. In the pool. Or like, you know, somewhere in the pool, on the deck, whatever, like around the pool. Um, the best moment. It would, oh my gosh. So the best moment, I think, that I've experienced was uh, Jay making the 4 a.m. in 2016. Like you should have, I don't know, were you guys there in the stands? No, uh, but we watched it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sure. if you were in the stands, like Georgia was going absolutely crazy. <laughs> like I wish you guys were like there uh, live watching Jay actually <clears throat> finish like last, literally last 25 of a 4 a.m. That's the thing too with the 4 a.m. There's excitement. There's excitement in the 53, but there's like so much change up in the 4 a.m. <laughs> you know, you can't deny it. You can't deny it. So oh, we struck a chord. Yes. <laughs> um, so watching him make it, uh, just watching like my Georgia teammates making it was really awesome. And then Jay's two brothers, Mick and Kevin, like running out on deck. And I don't even think they were supposed to, but they were just like, you know, they just ran out. And that was 
just the best because the whole team was like pouring sweat in the stands and we had to I literally had the hunter back the next day but it was like you know who cared like we just got to do it and and that was probably one of the coolest moments in swimming for me Awesome. Swimming needs more of that. Nobody, nobody rushes the pool in swimming the way they do. <laughs> Go to rush and I'll just jump in the pool. Barrios. <laughs> uh, we also had somebody from the audience on Instagram tell us uh, about you and JB and the power couple of swimming. So congrats. Thanks. All right. Speaking of audience, so I'm going to drop in a few that we had people submit on Instagram. So um, how do you get pumped for a race? Um, I think mostly just, um, like the goals that I have in my mind, like I get so excited with the, with thinking about what I could potentially do in the pool. Like this is what always hypes me up. Just that feeling of like, what it would feel like to win, look at the scoreboard, see a crazy time that I've been dreaming about. This gets me so motivated. Uh, and coupled with music, like I could really just like run through a brick wall after listening to like you know wheezy yeah wheezy f baby (laughs) (laughs) all right you talked earlier about your flexibility and that being a strength and we had somebody ask about ankle flexibility is there anything you work on uh for (laughs) ankle flexibility do you know who asked that question oh i don't know john might (laughs) um ankle flexibility yeah it's i think it's important okay uh. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first folks I feel like this <laughs> it is yeah flexibility is important I mean stretching is really important for swimmers like I try to stretch a lot so is this uh, is this something that uh, you're supposed to be working on because you, yeah. to and you feel like somebody uh, was trolling you <laughs> no no Okay. So my ankle flexibility has always been A1. No one can troll me about it. But one of my good friends, like, they don't have the best ankle flexibility, so I don't know. And I would give them, like, exercises to work on it or whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> All right. Uh, last one here from the audience is uh, what, what advice do you have for a perfect backstroke start? Advice for a perfect backstroke start um really like lift your hips just absolutely elevate your hips um it's all in the hips all right we got to know from the herbie group how often do you guys do social kick we don't we actually don't do social kick in herbie's group wow herbie wow um yeah we don't but yeah we don't we don't (laughs) Well, fail. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Herbie. If you could put us in touch, we're going to need to have a word. Ruby on Bob deck, is getting me. into Herbie's head. Bob needs to let Herbie stick with his thing. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what, taper's coming up, and hopefully there is some social kick in your taper life in the next uh, several weeks. Olivia, Thank we look forward to watching your race. You're going to nail you. it. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you guys so much for having me. It was awesome. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Social Kick. We'll see you next time. Hey, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you're enjoying Social Kick, tell your friends about it. And be sure to tell us what you liked by leaving a comment and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Social Kick. And you can find all of our content on our website,